1: It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. As we continue through the book of Luke and we look at the wonderful things of our Savior, and by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wonderful books to read in your devotions. And uh, go through them. And if you will go through them at a uh, pretty good pace. And what I mean by that is read uh, several chapters a day. And just go through the first four books of the New Testament. And you read them maybe over and over again. Every Maybe take it, break it down into the quarters. Three months to go through it. And do it four times in a year. You're going to find as, though, as they tell from their viewpoint and their perspective you'll get the different things. You also pick up on how many times things are repeated. Not everything's repeated but some things are and usually when that's the case God has uh, something he wants us to get. Now here there's a principle in here. You got to be careful. It's a parable. Not to make it say what it doesn't say. It's not uh, rewarding this man for his wrongness. It's uh, rewarding him for his thinking about the future. And it's going to apply it to us in a different way. And you'll see that as we look at this parable of what the Bible calls the unjust steward. And we're going to see what his problem is. The first one says, He said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. That was not uncommon in the days that they lived. Rich people would often have a manager. And uh, this would be more like our financial planners of today uh that would advise and also like our uh managers in business who make sure that the accounting the checks are written and all these things and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods so the rich man finds out that people are saying that this man is being accused of wasting his goods now i want you to look with me the problem is that this steward is got uh, a now account against him now this manager who's in charge of the different things that he was supposed to do had uh, almost unlimited power not quite but if you remember joseph was the steward of potiphar and then he was also the one who took care of all that was you know just right under pharaoh because he was a good godly steward and the bible says more of it is acquired in of stewards that a man be found faithful. You and I need to be faithful stewards. We see that his waste was exposed. Now, the word waste here is from the word dioscorpazo, which means to squander, to scatter by throwing into the wind. It's the exact same word that was used in chapter 15 about the prodigal son who wasted his substance in the far country. Now, not only was it exposed, but it was extensive because when you get to this says he was accused of him that he had wasted his goods there is a verb that is used here and the verb is an extensive verb this rich man was a steward that was accused and it's in a a, 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 accusative manner that he was wasting in the present tense he was wasting his goods but it has the idea behind it that he was ongoing, continually, he had done this over a long period of time, but now it's catching up with him. Uh, I was the uh, in the accounting department of a business when I was a teenager, and uh, the owner was concerned about accounts receivable shortfall. And uh, he, I'll never forget, he came in and he said, we're either missing this is back when our computers were uh, not quite monitors we had three cassette tapes that were magnetic uh, tapes and we had stripes magnetic stripes in ledger cards and the magnetic stripes would hold the balances and the card would show the transaction so you put the card in type it on the computer it would record it to the cassette so you later on you could print bills and so that's the way we did it and uh, He said, either a card is missing, we're misaccounting it, or he said, someone's stealing. Well, the accounting manager uh, went on vacation, and I knew that the uh, manager did not like to have uh, undone things. And one of the things that came in during that time was the bank statement, where they used to put all the checks in there, and I tried to balance it and I could not balance it. It was really rough. So I went back and tried to get the one before it to see if I could get it. And what I found was six months of unreconciled bank statements. So I kept going back and back and back. And I had to go back a a little over a year before I could get anything to balance. Then I started coming forward and I was just getting nowhere. And back in those days, we would have a white and a yellow copy and I would take the uh, carbon paper just how far back it goes and would write see attached list which the computer gave and it would go through and I would put the amount of the cash and the amount of the checks. So I was going to match them. The bank kept the white we kept the yellow. They would validate both. They would put it through their uh, machine and they would put a validation on it. So I ended up each month with a white and a yellow that didn't have a match. And then because I'm an analytical person and I see things, I saw that in the case of the yellows that were all left over, every single one of them was not validated, meaning she was only taking the white copy to the bank. And here's a white copy validated, and here's a yellow copy not. Then my eye caught that the check amount was exactly the same. The only difference was the cash. And then I began to match them up, where the check amounts and the dates matched. And when I got them all matched, they all matched out. And the only thing difference between the yellow copy, which we used to put in the books, and the white copy, which the bank did, was cash, which meant the bank was showing X number of dollars per deposit that this happened on, less than we were showing in our account. And it was to the tune of proof, of I mean, no question about it, $26,000 Okay, that is the kind of thing that shows up when somebody finally gets up. It, it finally catches up. Now, this man is not being accused of fraud. He's not being accused of extortion. What he's being accused of is mismanagement. He's just not good as a manager, and he's wasting it by not getting it done correctly. It was not only... Uh, Exposed And it was not only extensive, it was expensive. It was costly for the master, and now it's going to be costly for the steward. Mismanagement leads to problems. And what this whole thing is, you and I need to not mismanage anything. So the thoughts are this. We are stewards as Christians. And we've already read the verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it is required. It's a requirement of stewards. That a man be found faithful you must be faithful in christian stewardship you must there will be no other way around it and so we see that this man is thinking within himself you know he says uh, he, he for he called to him and said to him uh that i hear of this of thee give an account of thy stewardship for thou mayest no longer be steward Woo, wow uh-oh the fact <laughs> you're in trouble you may no longer be a steward. What are you doing? The steward knew he was guilty. I mean, he, he was just guilty, but he was unwilling to change. It, what shall I do? The steward's saying, I don't, I, I'm guilty. Look at verse number three. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For My Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. What is he saying? He's saying, I know I've been going mismanaging this, but I didn't fix it. And now what am I going to do? Now that I've been caught, what am I going to do? So the steward thought it over, what he should do, and he reasoned out some actions. He could dig. However, he was not willing to dig, not willing to be demoted to a field laborer and to serve in a low capacity, just wasn't willing to do that. He could beg, but he was too much proud to beg, so he just decided that he would try to do something else, and what he tried to do was figure out a way that he would be hired by someone else so he said and to dig to beg i am ashamed i am resolved what to do i am resolved i've got a resolve in me i know what i'm going to do when i am put out of the stewardship when it comes when he comes down here and does this i am going to have me a plan so he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first how much owest thou unto my lord And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much owe us down? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill, and write four score. And he commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. Now, we're going to deal with that in just a minute. But we're going to look at what he is doing here. He is getting to the world, saying, Look, you'd give us this right here against your account, and you'll be good for right now. You give us this much, you'll be good. And he's setting up a precedent whereby there's going to be a good something in the world that he can go to when he's finished with this guy, so he's not uh, without a job when he gets finished and is put out of the stewardship. So basically, what he has done here is he has reduced the debt load. He's saying, Look, if you'll write it right now. I will reduce your debt load. You will not have to pay this debt load. And that's what he did. Now, the Lord comes and commends his steward. Now, that's kind of interesting. This is where it kind of perplexes people that it seems like Christ is praising the evil steward, but he's not. He is, the, the reason for the praise is not about the steward's character. He's called unjust. But about his skill wisely does not refer to the character, but to the cleverness. What is praised is not the dishonesty, but the resourcefulness. Now, what we're doing here is we're seeing a rebuke that follows it. Okay, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, what he's saying here is you need to be wise and learn the lessons that are coming from this parable. And so he's saying that the children of this world uh, are uh, different than the children of light when it comes to the mammon and getting what the future will bring them, okay? Looking at, without Christ, their future has to be set in a different world, in a different precedent. They don't have Christ to turn to and and do right with him and know that he will take care of their future. And we as Christians don't realize that Christ is going to take care of our future, Therefore, we can rely and trust in him. We just got to put our hands on things. And the hardest thing for Christians to do is take their hands off and let God be God. We don't see how it can work out. We don't see how we're going to make ends meet. We don't see how we're going to be able to get through the next paycheck or the next day or the next bill. And we find ourselves scrambling when if we're doing right, and that's the key, if we're faithful stewards, if we're faithful to our Lord, he is faithful to us he is faithful and just when we confess our sins he is faithful to us because we are his child turn to him keep everything open and honest before him and watch him move watch him work watch him get hold of your life do not do not do not do not take and live like this world if you do you know what's going to happen you're going to find yourself in a mess now when we get to we're in verse number six right here and what we see is the steward has indicated he is guilty and he has indicated he knows what he needs to do so he is going to go and he's going to get this all together and this rascal just (laughs) he saw it was coming down And he saw it wasn't good, so he wisely did what in his world was a wise thing to do. And the word wisely means with thoughtfulness, intelligence, and prudence. And he comes down, and he ends up in this world of wow. Now, Jesus was not teaching that his disciples should be dishonest. He was teaching that they should use material things for future spiritual benefit. This was a good lesson from a bad example. This man used wisdom of the world, wiseness of where he was at, so that he could have the material things against future employment. God wants us to use it for future benefits spiritually. So take the lesson. Remember, a parable cannot be taken any further than the main thought. We find ourselves sometimes trying to make it say all kinds of things with all the little nuances. That's not what a parable is. It's a story that Christ tells that has a spiritual application, something that we need to get hold of. And so he does what he does, and then the Lord commended that unjust unjust steward because he had done wisely. We've gone through that. For the children of this world in their generation were, are, are generation wiser than the children of light. Why is that? Verse 9, listen to what it says. And I say unto you, Make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now, let me just explain. This meaning is simply this, that we should use money in a way that is our friend, And not our enemy. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. It takes money to do things. Now what he said here is. Make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. That when ye fail. The idea of that word fail. Is simply when it runs out. When it's no longer available. When this is gone. That you still receive into everlasting habitation. He's saying this man realized he failed and he had run out of time, but he made provision to get himself into the future and not be on the shelf. So then he goes on and makes this statement right after it. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust. Unjust also in much. Now, here we see the rebuke against the unjust part. The wise part is his action for correction, but he's unjust, and that is a wicked thing. We are dealing with the word faithfulness here. Faithfulness. The principles of faithfulness. Now, he's going to give us some of those principles. And one of the things he's going to tell us is that we need to be faithful in the very least of things the littlest of things. If you can't be faithful in a little thing, you will not be faithful in a big thing. We we cannot jump to the top of the pyramid when we have not worked away from the bottom, proving our faithfulness in the little things of life. You know what? There are little things in the Christian life that we can start out with. Number one, we get saved, we start to read our Bible. That needs to be put into a, uh, not just a practice, but a uh, a, put it into a, daily this is what i I have to have this i need this this is what i must do don't put it into the realm of oh no big deal i can skip today if you can skip today something's wrong we must be dependable in the word of god we must be faithful in our prayer life we must be faithful in our taking what he's saying and putting it into practice so that we are now putting the word of God into our heart that we might not sin against God, trying to put that guard in our heart against sin. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it, guard it, put it in their heart. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word with my whole heart. That's the only way to do it. Have I sought thee? Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. That's the key. And that's what he's saying here. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. You must be faithful. And if you're not in the little things, you will never be in the big things. It's just that bad. And if you're going to be unjust in the little thing, you're going to be unjust in the big things. Probably this man started out in his life and had some patterns that were unjust, but he was in the world. He got through and then he was continued to be unjust. He was sloppy in his management and it came back to haunting. Now, verse 11 if, therefore, ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Christ is saying, if you can't be faithful in these things in this little realm over here, the unrighteous money, what he's saying here is the money that you are using for the wrong reasons, in the wrong way, in the wrong manner, then how do you expect to have the true riches of God? Bride to you. How can you have that? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, if you can't be faithful with that which is someone else, who will give you that which is your own? I mean, who's going to give you something to own when you can't be faithful in somebody else's? Here's the other principle for you. you. No servant can serve two masters. You cannot do it. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do it. You cannot serve God and money. It's impossible. You must have a way. Now, you said if you're not faithful and you're just going to stay that way, who's going to commit to your trust anything that comes from God? You're going to have to have devotion that is devoted to Christ. He said you must serve him not mammon if you are going to be serving two masters it doesn't work you can't do it somebody loses and i'll guarantee you with the world the flesh and the devil they usually win out in fact if you don't know what you're going to do when something comes upon you you'll probably go the wrong route but if you practice in your mind i'm going to stay godly here's the biblical principle i'm not violating it Bob Jones Sr. used to say the one principle that could save everyone is do right even if all of hell's guns are aimed at you. Do right if all those stars fall out of their socket. If you'll just make up your mind you'll do one thing based on the word of God I will do right and you put in your heart the word of God so it can come back and the spirit of God can take that verse and put it firmly in you. You can make that your act. Now we come down to the wonderful Pharisees and of course we just love the Pharisees don't you and the Pharisees also, who were covetous, <laughs> they were those, I like, give me, I want, fond of all that money and did everything they could, heard all these things and they derided him. They sneered, they smeared, they mocked. I mean to tell you, they just scoffed at him. They don't like anything that the Lord Jesus Christ has to say, it makes them so upset. And so (laughs) Jesus had something to say. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. You declare yourself as being righteous before men. That's what you say. But God knoweth your hearts. It's the word genosko, which means to know by experience. I've experienced, Jesus said, I've walked around on this earth. I've experienced your hearts. I know what you're about. (laughs) You know that I know what you're about. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. A detesting, idolatrous thing before me. You have justified yourself incorrectly. But I have looked at you, and I have judged you, and I know you. I know from experience where your heart is. And my friend, the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Over in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, 7, verse 6, He had answered and said to them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 2 Corinthians ten twelve For we dare not make ourselves the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You look at Titus 1, and the Bible says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? First John three eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find Proverbs twenty and verse six. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Proverbs chapter thirty, verse number twelve. God knows your heart. Don't ever lose sight of that. God knows your heart. He knows exactly what's going on inside. He knows. And in this case, he knows that their heart's not right because they like money. They are covetous. That's what they want. They live for the wealth. They live for the blessing of them being higher than somebody else. They live for the prestige. They live for all the rewards and accolades they can get this side of heaven. That's what they want. That's what they get. And you know what? They can have it all they want. The bottom line is they will not have anything in their future to look forward to except hell. Which, by the way, is going to be where we're going to be next. Because when we come back, we're going to be dealing with the rich man and Lazarus. And this literal place called hell. And then finally, the final abode, the lake of fire. Jesus went on to say the law and the prophets were until John since that time. The kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. Uh, Meaning, they crowd oneself in. They're being seized. Here he's talking to them about, here I am. And he said, but here's the problem. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one title of the law to fail. Not one thing will pass from this law. Not one thing. What he's telling them is, you are going to say you, 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 you had the law, you Pharisees say you have, but you've invented laws, invented laws, you just watch and see. God is keeping the record and everything that I've said, heaven and earth will pass, but not one tittle of the law will ever fail. The idea of fail is it will never, 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 never fail. It will never, never, never fall. It will never, never disappear. Thank God for his awesome, awesome awesome word well that parable is a strong parable it is a powerful parable it's one that says to us and in the spiritual lesson I again reiterate he's not teaching to be dishonest or unjust he's teaching that we should use the material things that we've been given not for unrighteousness but for future spiritual blessings future spiritual benefits Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be encouraged by this, not discouraged, but to apply it into our lives like the Lord wanted in this parable, to not be unjust, but faithful stewards of who you are and what you have given us. If we can't be faithful in the little things, we'll never be in the big things. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely wonderful Yes, I believe every word
0: that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe.
1: You have been listening to the teaching timeless truths the radio broadcast with pastor roger walton you can send all correspondence to ttt at gmail.com tune in again next week for another timeless truth